Hey listeners, welcome to Sku Universe. I'm Scott, and today we're talking about Evergrande, the Chinese real estate company in the news recently, for all the wrong reasons. Now you may have heard about the ongoing financial crisis, but what exactly is going on? We'll take a look. And throughout this episode, we'll pause to check your listening comprehension with some short questions. All right, let's get started. Evergrande was founded in 1996 by entrepreneur Xu Jiayin. It grew big and it grew fast. By 2018, Evergrande had become the most valuable real estate company in the world. In July 2021, Evergrande ranked number 122 on the Fortune 500, placing it firmly on the list of some of the most valuable companies in the entire world. As for its founder, Xu Jiayin, his rise from humble rural beginnings was astonishing. In 2015, he was chosen to be part of the official Chinese delegation during Xi Jinping's visit to the United Kingdom. And for a time, in 2017, he was the richest person in China, with a fortune estimated at around 45 billion U.S. dollars. Question number one. What year did Xu Jiayin found Evergrande? He founded the real estate company back in 1996. Evergrande's primary business has always been residential real estate. Specifically, it sells apartments to upper-income and middle-income dwellers. But as the Evergrande group grew larger, it branched off into many other industries and projects. The group has constructed numerous tourist and theme park projects, many under the Evergrande Fairyland brand. One of their most ambitious projects, Ocean Flower Island in Hainan, is actually several artificial islands. Although partially open, the project has been beset by corruption claims and delays. Question number two. What is the name of many of Evergrande's theme parks? They're known as Fairyland theme parks. Many are designed for kids and families. In 2010, the group purchased a soccer team in Guangzhou, now known as the Guangzhou Evergrande Football Club. In 2012, the most expensive football school in the world was constructed in Guangzhou. Backed by Evergrande's deep pockets, the Guangzhou Evergrande Football Club went on to win the 2013 Asian Champions League tournament. In 2020, construction began on a new football stadium, one that would be the largest football-only stadium in the world, capable of seating 100,000 fans. It would be the first of as many as five massive stadium projects around the country that were to be led by Evergrande in order to raise prestige of China's footballing reputation. This stadium in Guangzhou, known as the Lotus Stadium due to its stunning architectural design, which resembles the flower, currently sits unfinished. Its future and that of the team, currently under Evergrande ownership, is now in doubt. Question number three. Guangzhou, which is home to the Guangzhou Evergrande Football Club, is known as the Flower City. The new stadium being constructed is designed to look like which specific flower? The Guangzhou Evergrande Football Stadium is designed to look like a lotus flower, hence its nickname, the Lotus Stadium. Through the Evergrande Health Industry Group, another branch of the company, Evergrande has an ambitious plan to build health and wellness tourist resorts throughout China and beyond. In reality, none of these projects have truly reached fruition. Many remain unfinished or are still only in the design phase. 
Evergrande also branched out in the electric vehicle market. In 2019 and 2020, Evergrande Group completed the purchase of NEVS, an electric car manufacturer in Sweden that had previously been Saab Automobile Company. Working with local government and power companies, Evergrande has worked to expand electric car charging stations throughout China, and their first electrical vehicles are expected in 2022. Now, whether sale from these vehicles can help Evergrande escape their current financial predicament is yet to be seen. So, question number four. Evergrande purchased 100% stake in the car company NEVS. Which country is NEVS located in? NEVS is based in Sweden and now also China. NEVS is an abbreviation for National Electrical Vehicle Sweden. Throughout the last decade, Evergrande has also dabbled in the entertainment industry in the form of Hung Ten Networks and a partnership with Tencent. They launched a mineral water brand and paid famous actor Jackie Chan to promote it. They bought pig farms, offered life insurance, and owned partial stakes in local banks. They moved further into the financial sector by selling wealth management products. Wealth management products are investment packages common in China. They are issued by banks or directly by property developers in order to raise funds. They're attractive to investors because they offer higher yields than simple deposits. Those issued through banks will generally return between 3 and 6%. Sometimes that number can be as high as 9 or 10. Evergrande was promising annual returns of 12% on their wealth management products. Question number five, who issues wealth management products? Well, generally, these investment packages are issued by banks or directly by property developers. They're sold to raise money to fund projects. For a long time, much of China's economy has been built on debt. For years, concern has been growing that it was an unsustainable system. Eventually, the Chinese government decided to try and curb all the borrowing and slow down the leveraged growth of the real estate companies. Their answer to this problem, announced in 2020, was known as the Three Red Lines. The Three Red Lines were three specific financial thresholds, specifically debt ratios, that real estate companies would be required to meet. Limits would be set on how much debt companies would be allowed to carry versus their assets. And importantly, it would require the firms to operate with enough cash on hand to cover all short-term debts and liabilities. Half of China's top property developers initially crossed one or more of these lines. By April of 2021, Evergrande remained in violation of all three. Question number six. What problem were the three red lines meant to address? The three red lines were meant to curb over-leveraging by real estate companies that were acquiring too much debt too fast. China's real estate boom was powered by residential property demand. For two decades, beginning in the late 90s, there was a tremendous surge of residential real estate demand. The last 25 years have seen a massive migration of the Chinese population from rural areas to urban areas. 
1998, the number of rural Chinese was more than double the number of city dwellers. At that time, about 415 million Chinese lived in cities, compared to 830 million in rural areas. But by 2021, the ratio had completely flipped. Now the number of Chinese living in cities is almost double that of rural dwellers. Over 900 million Chinese now live in cities, compared to under 500 million who remain in rural areas. Now this incredible shifting of the population led to the real estate boom and led to Evergrande and numerous other massive companies profiting and expanding at an incredible rate. Question number seven. Back in 1998, did more Chinese live in rural areas or in cities? In 1998, twice as many Chinese lived in rural areas. However, as of 2021, that has changed completely. City-dwelling Chinese now outnumber those in rural areas by almost two to one. With Evergrande in violation of the three red lines, they lost access to credit and found it increasingly difficult to borrow more money. Lenders refused to give them more money. And at the same time, with the population migration mostly complete, fewer people were buying new apartments. Fewer mortgages were being offered by banks. And Evergrande found themselves in a terrible position, unable to borrow money and not able to sell as many apartments as necessary, they were suddenly short on cash. This meant they wouldn't be able to pay off the enormous debt that they were responsible for. And it was a lot of debt. Question number eight. What happened to Evergrande as a result of being in violation of the three red lines? Evergrande lost access to credit, meaning lenders would no longer lend them any money. This, together with dwindling real estate sales, meant they couldn't come up with the cash needed to pay off their debts. By August and September of 2021, rumors of financial difficulties within Evergrande began spreading. They attempted to sell off assets to raise cash. This was mostly unsuccessful. Investment rating agencies downgraded Evergrande, further impacting their ability to borrow. Debt payments were missed. Evergrande's stock value sank. In December of 2021, offshore bond payments went unpaid. At that point, Evergrande owed thousands of banks, suppliers, foreign investors, and Chinese investors close to 300 billion U.S. dollars, well over 1 trillion renminbi. Most recently, $2 billion in cash were seized by banks and lenders as everyone tried to be the first to get their money. Eventually, the money is likely to run out. Some investors will possibly never see the money they are owed by Evergrande. The crisis is still ongoing and shows signs of widening. Other Chinese real estate companies are sending out worrying signals. Evergrande has announced that financial reports due at the end of this month, March 2022, are going to be delayed while audits are ongoing. And they aren't the only company either. Evergrande and a handful of other real estate companies have seen their stock frozen or delisted from the Hong Kong Stock Exchange as a result. Meanwhile, the rest of the world is watching. They're watching to see how China handles this major financial crisis. And a few are watching with greater concern, hoping that this crisis in China isn't financially contagious. That is, 
When the whole mess of debts and payments is finally untangled, what other companies around the world may feel the effects? How much will this crisis end up hurting China's economy in the short term? And how will it be altered in the long term? What impact, if any, will this have on the rest of the world? Well, that's our episode for this week. I hope you enjoyed it, and I encourage you to check the news and follow the ongoing Evergrande story. Thank you for listening. Our show is meant to help intermediate learners improve their listening through interesting bilingual stories and educational content.